welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. It's been quite a day for Paul Manafort, President Trump's former campaign manager. In D.C., Manafort was sentenced to a total of seven and a half years in prison for conspiracy and fraud. And in New York, he was indicted in a new 16-count indictment, the first charges that are outside President Trump's pardon power. Joining me is Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid. So, Brad, let's begin with the sentencing. Judge Amy Berman Jackson is a tough judge, and she said it's hard to overstate the number of lies Manafort told and the amount of money involved in the charges, but she didn't give him the maximum she could have. Were you surprised? Um, A little bit, but I think what you've seen now from two different federal judges is they're not all that keen. They don't truly love these sentencing guidelines they've been given when it comes to pure white-collar criminal cases. Whether or not that's wise or not, whether it's appropriate or not is not for me to say, but they clearly don't think it's all that altogether justified to go as harsh as the guidelines recommended. I mean, the recommendation for the witness tampering was five years, and clearly Judge Jackson, who's taken a very harsh approach on this and has been very skeptical of Paul Manafort's explanations, thought that was way overboard. So, you know, like with any case, you know, there's wild cards. One of the wild cards is going to be the judge. And even though Judge Jackson gave Paul Manafort a far, you know, harsher tongue lashing than what Judge Ellis did, she did not add too much to the sentence. It's a total of seven and a half years between the two federal cases. He could be out by 2024 with good behavior from federal charges. So she was also considering the charges that he had been handed down by Judge Ellis. Correct. So, yeah. So so it's so part of it was concurrent with what Judge Ellis, Judge Ellis had done 47 months. So a portion of what Judge Jackson laid down was concurrent or overlapping with Judge Ellis because some of the charges were similar and related. But the witness tampering part, that was separate. That was being served consecutively. So in total, for all federal charges, it's seven and a half years. Now, she made a point of pushing back on the defense attorney's repeated assertions that Manafort was mere collateral damage in the special counsel's investigation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, this is a a political posturing move that the defense lawyers have been doing throughout this case and the one in the Eastern District of Virginia, trying to kind of appeal through filings to uh, the president, you know, hinting towards, you know, a pardon saying, you know, Paul Manafort's being prosecuted for things that don't have to do necessarily with Russian collusion. Judge Ellis was a little bit more sympathetic to that argument, at least in a uh, sentencing context. Obviously, neither Judge Ellis nor Judge Jackson tossed the cases based off that, nor would they have as a matter of law. But Judge Jackson didn't want to hear it. She said, look, these are serious charges. Whether or not it has to do with collusion is irrelevant. And she made clear that the cases, the case brought against Manafort does not resolve one way or the other whether there was Russian collusion, and no one said it would. Now, shall we call it unusual timing, convenience? I don't know, but just after the sentencing, we learn about the indictment in New York State by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance. This has been in the works for some time, but just announced now. Correct, yeah. From the filing, it appears they got this indictment last week on the 7th. They were just holding on for it, waiting for the moment for uh, Manafort's sentencing to come down so they could drop this and add on to the pain. State charges, 
that are completely beyond the scope of what Donald Trump can pardon. So even if the president were to pardon Paul Manafort today, which I'm sure he will not be doing, but even if he were to do that, Paul Manafort would still face very serious mortgage fraud charges coming out of New York and will obviously face several years in prison from that. So tell us a little bit more about the charges in New York State and how they differ from the charges that Manafort has faced. Sure. So the facts um, overlap a little bit, but the, the, the legal aspects are a little different. So in the federal cases, it was about money laundering and tax fraud and registering as a foreign agent, things along those lines. What the state of New York has brought are mortgage fraud charges with respect to the information Paul Manafort was outlining in uh, bank loan documents trying to get mortgages on properties in the state of New York. You know, anybody who's ever gotten a mortgage knows you fill out that paperwork, you have to outline your assets and how much of the property you own, how much is under, you know, uh, covered by more existing mortgages. And they are stating that he defrauded the state in how he outlined information in those documents. So, Brad, is this really unusual? Would it be considered piling on if it weren't for the fact that this pardon has been talked about and dangled around? I mean, the state of New York certainly has its discretion to to have pursued this either way. I don't know if they would have spent the time to do it if they weren't concerned that the president was going to try to give Paul Manafort, you know, uh, you know, the easy way out with a pardon. So, sure, is it a little bit of political action here? Of course. Is that anything new in the United <laughs> States of America? No. And some people may be interested in in finding out just how a person who is serving time in prison then ends up having to defend themselves, How what the logistics are here. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. You know, it's going to be a question of does Paul Manafort want to bother showing up at these hearings? He stopped coming once he had been confined to jail, he stopped coming to the hearings in federal court because it's a whole huge process. It's several hours, the time in transit, and then sitting in holding rooms. And for a guy who was once very high on the hog and living in, you know, luxury and mansions and, you know, big parties with $10,000 plate dinners, to suddenly just be in the orange jumpsuit sitting next to a common criminal, it's a little bit, you know, degrading. And I'm sure he doesn't really feel like doing it. And the attorney's fees here. Any idea what neighborhood they're in at this point? We only have 45 seconds, so you can just speculate a little. Easily, he's looking at hundreds of thousands in additional fees. I'm pretty sure he's going to seek a plea deal to try to minimize that. The man has a family still he's got to try to take care of. He can't pay out those kind of fees. All right, Brad. Thanks so much for following this with us and for your insights. That's Brad Moss. Absolutely. That's Brad Moss. He's a partner at at Mark Zaid. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.